Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures. We are all D&D role players and storytellers at heart. It's where we started out, and it's where we find ourselves most at home. So here in our main podcast episodes, we discuss the core rules, how to use them as written, and how to homebrew your own content to get the most out of your story. Because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules is what makes a campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. The classic Big Book of Monsters has been unavailable for 4th edition powered by GURPS games until now. Gaming Ballistic is now kickstarting a fully licensed third-party bestiary and enemies book for the dungeon fantasy role-playing game. A giant book of creatures is fantastic to keep games fresh and exciting. Pre-written stats save prep time. Full-color illustrations fire the imagination of game masters and strike the necessary fear into players' hearts. Planned at a minimum of 128 pages, growing to 240 as stretch goals are unlocked, this book is chock full of nastiness, gloriously illustrated, and fully described. Use them in the well-supported Nordland setting, or repurpose them to your own worlds in your favorite other system. Check out the Nordland Bestiarian Enemies book, live on Kickstarter through December 7th. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. So we are once again going to the well from our questions from the audience episode. One of the questions that was tossed out at that point was all about uh, game systems that are outside of kind of our normal uh, track here. We talk a lot of Dungeons & Dragons on this show, but somebody had asked at that point, if we were ever going to go ahead and get into other game systems. And in particular, they mentioned the folks behind the game system that we're going to be talking about today. So first of all, Liwanika, Glenn, good morning. A happy Saturday morning to you guys today. Is it any warmer down in Connecticut than it is up here in Maine today? I honestly wouldn't know. I have literally, I left my bedroom. I've been to the kitchen and I came into the office. I will. Mm. I went out. I went out for coffee. It's a little cool, yeah. but it's not freezing. I would say it's cool enough. I have not had to turn on my air conditioner uh, <laughs> now that I have my my lights on. Excellent. Excellent. That tells me it's uh, chilly outside. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Definitely not bad down here. And good morning, everybody. That fan from the question and answers was Kevin Borup. So thank you very much, Kevin, for connecting us all. Because now we are sitting down with the creators of your favorite game. Yeah, right here today in this interview. So coming special at you by your request. And we always wanted to do more than D&D. We just kind of got sidetracked with some of our side quests and we never quite made it. So help. thanks for helping kick us into covering <laughs> some us into other high stuff. Gear here, we exactly. want to yeah. cover more than D&D. Now let's get on here. Right. right. We are sitting down with Max and Nick from Open Ended Games. Uh, and Open Ended Games are the publisher of the fantastic fantasy role-playing game setting Against the Dark Master. So Max and Nick, welcome to Tabletop Journeys. How are you guys today? Hi, thank you for having us. Uh, Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Yeah. We're really great. glad thank to be you here. Very much for having us. Yes. And thank you for the fan to get yeah. us yeah. his favorite game. I mean, uh, I had uh, so it's that, very, yeah, very that's humbling. I, I, yeah, very humbling <laughs> that someone picks yeah. their favorite game. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Kevin runs in every every Tuesday night campaign of your game right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, yeah. a really you know weird experience for us. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is, well, I, let's talk about Against the Dark Master first of all. Can you tell us what? Against the Dark Master is about. Give us kind of the, the elevator pitch. If you were going to describe Against the Dark Master to, you know, the throng of fans here who haven't yet played it and haven't found it, what's it all about? One, one of the um, 
ways we always describe uh, against the Dark Master is that you think your big epic sagas like The Lord of the Rings or Wheel of Time, then you mix it with a bit of uh, the 80s fantasy movies like Willow or Dragon Slayer. You throw a little bit of heavy metal, power metal in it and put it all in a blender, mix it up, and that's against the Dark Master. It's a mix of all, mix of all these elements, basically. Fabulous. Yeah, I can. Yeah, no, I, I truly love the influences here, and and we've had pre conversations to the interview, but I want to kind of recapsulate uh, some of this. So forgive me if some of it you've heard before, but uh, I want to say it so our audience knows where we all come from as we. Uh, delve into this game that you've been uh, so kind enough to bring to us. I love the influences. The movies you mentioned are some of my favorite movies. Part of Willow that I was able to retrieve is actually on the computer I'm using today and is something I refuse to remove and probably part of the reference. The brownies. You reference the brownies all the time. My yeah, friend. I mean, Everybody knows you're a Willow fan. Yeah. I, I love all of those elements. The books you mentioned, <laughs> the, the sagas, obviously, Lord of the... I have personally not read The Wheel of Time, but I know that is one of Glenn's favorites. Like, but every element that you've mentioned are things that are near and dear to my heart. Then you throw in metal into the mix, and I was the metal kid when I was in <laughs> high school. And I was into all the metal bands, uh, all the metal music, and it's all there and so much to say that when making when finalizing and finishing up the character that that i made for this game i had metal playing while i was doing it and it was informing my feel and connection with the character and it's just infusing coolness into this character and and i hope we'll find out as later on we're going to do an an, an actual play that you, Spoiler that, alert! That that will come right. through. And uh, just in the last time we were talking with y'all, it's not ju- you've the, the how far the inspiration reaches comes out in the conversation. Like in that one, y'all mentioned the movie Crawl, and I watched yeah. <laughs> Crawl when I was a kid. Probably, oh, I don't know. And my dad hated it. He thought he's like, "This movie's so cheesy," but I loved it. Yeah. Um, and I probably watched it, I don't know, six, seven times during the yeah, the yeah. month that it was on HBO. I even called. I even faked sick to stay home and watch it one day. And I bet if we went delved a little deeper, we wind up in uh, with Beastmaster and some of the other awesome, yeah, yeah. awesome, you know. Composition had to, to to do it in uh, primary school when I, I and I talk about crawling it. You know, I I explained to the teacher the plot of uh, of the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean I know that my corporate America look right now may betray my roots a little bit here, but when Liwanika and I met way way too many years ago, I mean I had hair halfway down my back. I was playing in a heavy metal band at the time. We are so glad to have you guys on today to go ahead and, and crack the nut that is against the Dark Master. And so you talked a lot about the influences, and I want to dive into that just a little bit deeper here, because one of the coolest things about the core rulebook is that not only are the influences that you mentioned kind of apparent in the way that you wrote the rules, but you actually went so far as to include recommended literature lists, recommended watch lists, recommended music lists. So what was the thought behind that? Why, why go to even that depth instead of just kind of baking it into the rules? I mean, I think that it's important to, and we put it right at the beginning of the, of the core rules, that it's important to immediately set the mood. And often when you start a new campaign, you start a new game, you wonder what kind of game it is. And our work gives a lot away, but having that list and, and, and recognize, you know, things that you might have seen probably puts you more in the mood and gives a better picture of what you one, what would you expect when you start playing the game? And, and also it's sort of recognition acknowledgement to those beautiful, uh, masterpieces that somehow forge our fantasy, you know, mind. <laughs> and when we decide to, to embark in this journey, man, I'm using important words today. Embarking in this journey. I think we, we all, you know, first thing we look like, what are the, our source of inspiration? Also, That's got emotional I, script written all over it. It's great. <laughs> Go ahead, <next. laughs> And also, I remember, mm, you know, the old Dungeon Master Guide, there was that appendix end with all those 
book list. Uh, and that was like uh, a guide for, for us back in the days. <laughs> yeah. You know, all this uh, cool stuff. I like, you know, Conan and the Lord of the Rings. And, but this guy told me that also this and this are cool. So maybe I just, because there, there was no internet now. Uh, yeah, there was nothing to do, yeah. So, <laughs> so you could have got uh, go to, you know, uh, MDB or uh, Goodreads and check for similar stuff. You had to have someone who told you, you know, if you like this, you, you're probably going to be going to like yeah. this. I, I think that's one of the things I liked most about that section was it was, for me, a callback to a time where if you really like something, you took the time to mention what you like and where somebody else could find it. And you told people mm -hmm. and then people yeah, told other people. We do a similar thing using technology because you can tell so many people so fast and with so little effort. It's almost like it has to be shouted out millions of more times to get the same weight mm -hmm. when back in the day, if you took the time to put a recommendation in a book, <laughs> that got the job done. Like that in and of itself was impressive. And people said, wow, there are five, 10 or 15 sources that they cite as inspirations for this work. And you would literally read a book, see the sources of inspiration, and then you'd your, your reading for the next two months was set. It's like, I'll read that, right. I'll read that, I'll listen to that, I'll watch that. And you just start checking things off. And that's why so many of us, even from different walks of life, like we're from different countries, grew up watching the same things. And that was right. not spread on the internet. That's yeah. an impressive thing. And baking that into this book just makes me love it that much more. I think that also that there is, you know, to just piggyback on your, you know, the effort you have to put extra effort to, you have to put in order to get that, you know, sort of books and movies that you want to watch that they go, because, you know, I mean, fantasy movies were popular, but they weren't that like that. They were some, sometime mainstream, but it was hard to, for, especially in Italy to find some certain movies probably don't even get translated. Yeah. Sometime, or they were usually, much, you know, know in, in, in the back section. Yeah. But the, 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 I remember, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Monks. Niwanika, you were saying, and I, I felt that I remember the, the pleasure of, of the, the discovery to find a source with a list of all these things. Now probably you have on a, on a Wikipedia page, you have a list of all those movies. But back at the time, you didn't have that. And when you had the discovery, the feeling, okay, oh, exactly, I have something to watch. I have to, now the, the hard part is to find the movies. <laughs> Because, right, right. you know, at the time, you know, you have to go to your, to your VHS renter and ask them to get the movie. That was a little bit more complicated, man. but, you know, it was worth the effort and it was worth to watch and to experience that. Yeah. Y'all aren't wrong. Back then, the fantasy genre rarely got the high budget. You know, it yes, was not exactly. the that, end style of movie. Once was... in a while, you got a really good one. But most of the time, they were the, they were yeah. the B rate or, you know even C-rate films that came yeah. out, but they were still epic because it doesn't have to have the highest budget to tell a good story. I remember having to say things like, Lady Hawk was such a great movie. Oh God, Lady Hawk, thank you. I forgot about <laughs> right? that one. But the, the, the special effects weren't fantastic, but you just tell people, you're what, the story's amazing, the special effects are a joke. So one of my favorite things, but I'm curious as to why y'all chose to go this route about Against the Dark Master, is that in order to a kind of lean into that epic saga style storytelling, it's even right there in the name. Against the Dark Master is specifically about creating that dark evil force, and that's the driving force of the plot of the game, you know, like Sauron or whoever the big bad was that I don't remember in Beastmaster that was that killed his family, etc. Some kind of high priest, but I don't remember the name of the of their religion. Or it was a long time ago. Thalsa um, Dune from Conan. There we go. Yeah. And you, even when we were working on the pre-actual play, like the fact that it's baked right into the collaborative world building of the game start, where together you create the Dark Master that you're all going to be fighting in the course of your campaign. So my question, because there is a question in there somewhere, I swear, is what made you decide to go with that specific, we are going to tell 
epic fantasy stories with an overarching villain versus going more sandbox, which was really, really popular at the time to get more towards being sandbox and open-ended. And if you wanted to, you don't have to have an overarching plot. You can just wander the world and discover things or murder hobo an entire town, which honestly I find less fun. I always tell an epic story. So what made you all decide to go epic story specific in your rule set versus trying to leave it more sandbox to fit into the other uh, game styles that were out at the time? So I believe it was a process, right, Nick? We, we, we slowly came to the realization that that was what we were aiming for. Yeah, I think that um, <coughs> we sort of realized that we are in a part of our life that it's, you're lucky if you get one session a week. <laughs> so you want to make that session worth it. And I think that having uh, a, a board and an and, and evil uh, presence in it that we all were there when it was created, involves and engaged the, the, the players more. And uh, we sort of realized, you know, like maybe, you know, with all the different sort of games beside the indeed, you know, all the role play games that came out that, you know, concentrate more maybe in a, in a story, mm -hmm. story creation and kind of sort of rules and, and, and system that, that is more engaging, it's more fun. The master doesn't have to carry all, all, all the burden of creating the world by himself and, and, and often ending up into a, like a railroad sort of things that, you know, if you give the player the tools to create the story and the, and the, and the master, master kind of just guides them, making sure that everything it's kosher. Uh, I think that we all, everybody has more fun. And, and it, mm -hmm. as I said before, we want to make every session worth it and, and, and then everybody is fun, everybody's involved, everybody's engaged. And I think that we, I, I believe that when we were, when, when Max was writing it <laughs> and we were consulting each other, I, I didn't personally, this is my personal opinion, I didn't feel that it would be the strong presence. And, 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 and you know, as running the game, I noticed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, 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 really we kind of, yeah, it kind of build up from, from, from yeah. the we yeah, start. It really, it really comes off. And, we we uh, realized yeah. that it was going to be a very you know, central presence. And I think also, Nick, that, that was one of the reasons was also to, because we kind of wanted to, to tell the, to, to, to play the, the, the stories we wanted to to tell when we when we were younger no when we were playing you know dungeons and dragons or master or whatever we wanted to to have an epic story May, then maybe probably we, we just went out you know slaughter whole villages on set fire to yeah hints but but what we wanted to do was being you know the protagonists of, of an of an epic saga even though it didn't all this happened for various reasons. Yeah, I, I think that what we felt was lacking, especially when we were kids, uh, was that it was such a Dungeons Dragon, which I played the most when I was a kid, and later on, the Role Master group. But there were Role Master, no, but DD lacked some sort of uh, epicness in it, in terms of mechanics specifically, because, you know, as long as you create the right fiction, everybody can have fun, everything can be epic, and Dungeons and Dragons can be as well. Because you know rules are there, uh, and often we and I remember when I kid reason make the mistake of there to limit me. But rules are just a tool that you know just give you a little bit of advice of you know rules. But we try to create this a little bit more rules board, and, and and you know you have the rules, you have the mechanics that they help you in, in combat, in magic. So you have to think about it. But you have to create your own world. You have to have fun. We would just want to have fun. We would just want to bring fun to the table. And, and, and uh, I think that one thing we had with critical that also brings a lot of fear. <laughs> we also changed the name, right? Uh, midway, changed the name of the game. I think we changed, because yeah. I mean, I think we, we changed we, the name three times, actually. No, we changed times. the name of the company a couple of times, changed the name <laughs> of the game two times. It was going to be called something else, but when what we realized about how important you know the the dark master the villain was going to be we decided to change the name and yeah. props to max because he came up with the name oh yeah i love the fact that it was a development process and and you allude to all the things that we tried to do at our tables which is whatever game we're playing we like our stories to be as Glenn said epic 
That's just what we do. Legendary even. Yeah, legendary even. It's just one of these situations where I love the fact that that was how you got to that goal. And you took it from the, we're going to tell an epic story. We are, the players are going to be protagonists. And there is this overarching evil that they're fighting against, rallying. And, and to recognize in the rule set that it, it is not necessarily you can't play a character with shades of gray or that may not be the quote unquote goody goody, but recognizing that you're here to do a good thing. They're here to prevent that good thing or worse yet, do something terribly (laughs) evil. And no matter how you do that, that's what changes. That's what, where the freedom of role-playing comes in. One of my favorite parts about that is I think the, the concept behind Against the Dark Master, even putting it right into the name, that the purpose of this game is you are fighting this evil. Also, even when you're playing a more edgy character, can go will go a long way towards creating party unity. You already start out with a common goal. You already start out with a common enemy. You already start out knowing you're sitting down at the table and you have to find a reason to work together, whether you know you're edgy or not, in order to advance the plot. Uh, it's important for players to realize that, that when they sit down, part of the contract is that they also are responsible for keeping the game enjoyable and moving forward and not yeah. starting a fight with their party that means they're going to get in a fight and kill somebody. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but building it right into the game like that, I love. And I, But yeah. I also liked what you said, Nick, as you were talking about that, that in every system, I don't remember exact words, but in every system, in every game, you can still tell an epic story because we don't want y'all to get the wrong idea. You can tell an epic story in any game that you're playing, but Against the Dark Masters designed for it. And yeah. that I think is yeah. really and, special. And there, are me- yeah. and there are mechanics that support, that support that it. element. And by the way, you can learn from those mechanics and start incorporating them in other things you do as well. Yeah. yeah, what I was just uh, what I would just to clarify just I what I was saying is as as I mentioned, you know, the rules are there, but we are creating the story, and that should be applied to every single game that we play, every system, not that bogged down by rules because we are around the table and we want to have fun. People that brought the game are not sitting with us, except for this specific occasion that we are sitting. With. But the problem with certain system is that sometimes you just stay there and roll a d twenty for three hours just to try to kill a goblin. That's yeah. something I didn't like. So uh, that's why, you know, when we were creating the game, I mean, when yeah. the source of inspiration was the other games they use pretty cool people. So. Yeah, y'all had so, said that combat is more fast and brutal. Yeah. Yeah. If I recall, I'm looking forward, forward to experiencing to that. Yeah. that. Haven't, haven't yeah. played it yet, so can't speak to it, but maybe we'll and do it, some uh, wrap up thoughts after the actual play <laughs> to give you all our opinion, our, our no, exactly. perspective our after we've it, done yeah. it. And, and uh, Nick, it, it's like you're reading my notes over here because I was just going to go ahead and talk about that, that same thing about how you described the combat as fast and brutal. And the rule book is big. Like it's a big rule book. Like there's a lot of, and there's a lot of complexity. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, of crunchiness and everything like that, which, you know, we, we are f- uh, familiar with crunchy games and stuff like that before. We talked a lot about kind of the cultural influences that went into it. it- to be fair on the rule book, if you note, the reason it's so large is they didn't put out three books and charges for each one individually. That <laughs> right. is three books in one. It covers That's your fair, player's also. handbook, your yeah. dungeon master's yeah, yeah. guide. And your yeah. monster manual, all in one. That's fair. Uh, Six hundred like page, page volume. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so it is yeah, yeah. big. Which, which yeah. fair? Yeah, that, that's totally true. Right. Six hundred um, pages is. Well, that's fair to go ahead and say that that the core rule book is three books put into one. If you look at at other game systems that are that are out right now, the rules for Against the Dark Master are they have more complexity than other rule systems that are coming out right now. Like I'm oh, looking absolutely. at like I'm looking at like Powered by the Apocalypse or, or some of the other game yeah. systems that are out right now. Right. We talked a lot about kind of the cultural influences that went into writing the game. I want to ask you guys uh, a little bit about what are some of the game influences. What are other games that you looked to for how to construct a rule system and how to write the how to write the the, the game system that led you to where you are now good question i think there's one game that we often say we it was this game sort of a love letter and then we'll have role playing by, by iron crown and that there's there as i said it was really a love letter to, to, to have a specific game but unfortunately yeah. now it's uh, defunct because the ice uh, iron crown long lost its right to you know to the middle earth setting but and we yeah but back when we were kids we would love to play that so <laughs> we had to 
that, that's clearly the, 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 the biggest influence in the game. We are, but I think uh, that there's a lot of influence in, in supporting Wheel, in creating the narrative yeah. part of it. Um, also, in, also a hefty tome. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. The, you, the Burning Wheel is also yeah. the pattern uh, <laughs> yeah. of, uh, of you know crunchy games. I, <laughs> I was just having a conversation about Merp sometime in the last two to three days, and I was talking about how I used to play Merp and and just loved the concept uh, of it because obviously my love of Lord of the Rings and how well that crunch supported the theme and tone of middle earth and i believe in the back of my head when i was making that comment that was one of the things that i was feeling about making the character for against the dark master which is i am feeling the tone and the concept of the game through the mechanics and uh, josh said we are not new to games that have some crunch i am a big palladium fan which is probably Mm -hmm. one of the most popular crunchy games out there in fact some would say that's its biggest detriment i disagree i actually think that's one of its biggest strengths i celebrate the fact that after 30 years of playing palladium games i can actually lock in a full and complete palladium character in under 15 minutes I mean, exactly. Yeah. I was about to say, to be fair, you are, as a storyteller, incredibly detail oriented during your prep. So I bet running Palladium games, you wound up making so many characters that, yeah, that became a practice skill set for you. Yeah, we were really into supers for a little while. We ran three or four campaigns for that. Under three or four rules. Post high school. So if I can just kind of go with a follow up on, on that question, too, then about kind of the the influences where is the entry point for for players that are not used to a crunchy game like what's the right. what's the best way for them to get into against the dark master well first of all i think by you can you know grab the quick start rules with the there's an introductory scenario called the base of willow lake and some pre-generated characters ready to play Yep, and it's all free basically. Well, the quick start is pay what you want, but you can pay zero, and if you like it, come back and, yeah. and buy something else later. Cool. And so that will give you an adventure or characters and the basic rules to understand what's going on, and you can just start playing with that. Yeah, we'll make sure and link to that in the show notes down below. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. we're going to make sure we link to that because that was that. That's a great idea, and that was going to be my suggestion. Is we don't view, as you said, this as a bug, it's a feature. And I think of things as how do you solve or provide solutions and resolution. And my thought was pre-generated characters. In the Palladium example that I mentioned, I know it's a crunchy game. I know at a convention there's no time to build characters. So instead of not running the game that I know people will enjoy, I just made sure they had characters to select from. It, as a storyteller, yes. became my job to make sure there was a lot of variety. I was having a table of four. I made 18 different characters, different walks of life, different <laughs> types of things. And, and that way there was all kinds of options. So four of 18 characters were selected to run that game. And they yeah. loved it and enjoyed themselves. And we jumped right in. We started the first scene in media res. It was amazing. And mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of thing that really helps games like this. So I'm saying to our audience members who have not tried this game in specific or crunchy games in general, get out there, get hold of pre-generated characters and start this. You know, this yeah, it's a you'll, with you'll it. find that the crunchy games do provide a lot of things that you will truly love and enjoy. You just got to find your entry point. And I love the, the fact that you got that set up for for players so i'm gonna i'm gonna propose that we we come up with a way to change the word crunchy at least for our our broadcasts because that's i think why we keep coming back and defending is we're afraid it's got a negative connotation and it doesn't or at least it shouldn't i think a better word would be to say a detailed game i was about to say the detail oriented system and and to, to to back that up uh, just to give you guys an idea of what we're talking about, because we've used the word crunchy enough. I don't want you to be intimidated. What we mean by that is that when you get into the game against the Dark Master, it's, it 
gives you the detail that you're missing that D&D and some other game systems have begun to take out. So if you're missing that, this is a it's a really great system to bring some of it back in because I think that a lot of games have oversimplified to a degree. And the folks at Against the Dark Master and Open-ended Gaming's Max and Nick, they have separated out character creation into something that other games are now trying to catch up with where we now have kins instead of races and we have cultures from where you come from instead of just lumping that into you know your race you could be an elf from the sea or an elf from the mountains and they're going to act differently right and then your vocation on top of that so it gives you more detail to be able to add background i loved making my character yes it was a process but i loved it because there were so many pieces that just expanded the story in my head of how my character was going to interact with the world that's something that we have talked about a lot is that Again, from a very D&D centric view, you know, if if a character could have more than one background to represent kind of where they came from versus where they are, that would add so much depth to your character and so much ability to really get a feeling for your character. And that's something that D&D is missing. That's one thing that I loved about this system is the mm-hmm. whole like the whole kin culture dynamic, right? It it really opened up this this panoply of choices about who your character actually is and Mm -hmm. and what they're you know and then and then when you kind of refine it through like the whole concept of like motivation and nature and their allegiances and everything like that like so much depth that is that that part is expressed so elegantly Uh, it was really really nice at the end you can spend individual background points to get different things for your background instead of just choosing one clump yeah. Um, which adds even more uniqueness to your character yeah. to then write into its story. It, the character creation process, I mean, it definitely took a bit, yeah. but I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it all. It was great. I, I feel that as, as uh, when I was saying that these, these new games are kind of removing certain aspects, I think that that leads to a sort of like a bi-dimensional character. Meanwhile, what we try to do is more three-dimensional. So to combat the background sort of, I mean, you have the background points, which term of mechanics add to your character, but also the, the passions give a three-dimensional mm-hmm. aspect to the to the game to the player and to the character, I mean. And I, I feel that that was often overlooked, especially you know in, in, in the in the yeah. also because you know in this epic sagas they I mean if you if you want the player's characters to be the protagonists, you have to give some you know some weight some some details because uh, the story is going to be about them basically so you want to know who they are and uh, what they're going to do what what motivates them you have to like identify them on in their own heroic journey right like where are they in their own heroic journey yeah i mean straight out of joseph campbell yeah And for us, a lot of those were picked like during our session zero that we did last week, like together as a group. So Mm -hmm. not only in in the system, if you run it that way, do you get the individual backgrounds to be so unique and specific? You also get the opportunity to start looking for common elements. And Nick did a great job of connecting the characters as we went. So when we go in, we know who about the uh, some details about the Dark Master in our world and each other already uh, to kind of already create that party bond. Because again. Again, we're not going for the sandbox effect. We're going for the fellowship effect. Did you know you could have been listening to this episode two days ago? That's right, because early access to our episodes is only one of the benefits that we offer to our Patreon subscribers. You can get early access to every show, exclusive content, and the opportunity to throw dice with your favorite hosts every month. Right now, we're running a membership drive through the end of November for our first anniversary. If we reach 20 subscribers by that date, we will start a regular live show. And when we get to 25 subscribers, we're going to open our tables for a second Patreon-exclusive game. So if the actual play episodes aren't your thing, you can still join your hosts on the download. For more details, go check www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys, where you can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. And thank you for enjoying the show. That session zero and this character creation process and the way the backgrounds work and you can kind of take the points you're provided and the mechanics and and select from multiple different 
types of background options is is instrumental. That is why that it, it mechanically creates a situation that I wanted to solve with 5e by saying just give people at least two different backgrounds. You don't need that in this game because you can just say, look, I'm going to take the one point version of this. So like mm-hmm. I could just and that's four different stories that I could go through parts of my life or I could mm-hmm. take a higher level of one and then a lower level of another and, and mix and match that in the way that absolutely brings the character home. It just like builds the character. When we did our session zero, our patrons will be able to tell that the very first thing I said when I saw the uh, kin and culture was that's what I was looking for. I've talked the entire last year on this channel about I don't like the word race in 5e. It is a mechanical yeah. thing. I've given up trying to get D&D and Wasi to change it, but I think <laughs> it is very poorly descriptive and I I don't like how tight it is to certain things and not tight it is to other things, all of that. But kin and culture did all the things I had been trying to solve in my head in two words and a concept. And which brings me to my next question is, because that is one of my absolute favorite parts of this game, how did you develop that? Did you sense the problem that exists in other games and then fix it? So we see it within the pages of Against the Dark Master. For, for, for what I recall, I think it was, conversation that we we were having and it was a, a broad a very broad discussion it wasn't specifically to, to address a specific issue i think that we just decided that kin carries more sort of like the aspect of of you know a s- series of of a feature that a specific kin can have i think the problem is that and i'm, I'm going down maybe a rabbit hole now i think the issue is that Race, the concept of race, it's very, very unlimiting, probably. Doesn't, doesn't sound very epic fantasy. <laughs> like, right. you, know, you know, it's if I find something like species or, or, or race in a, in a sci-fi game, I can accept it because, you know, they're, they're like people from other planets. So it's okay. That, but in, in a fantasy setting, I, I mean, I'm... I, I don't really like it. As Nick was saying, we wanted to to underline the importance of all these people to, to be united rather than divided. That's why we chose the word kin for, to, to remind of the kinship that, that uh, binds them. It's, more, it's, it's, more, right the... it's just more, you know, Mm-mm. at the end of the day, it's just a mechanic. Right. So why would you make it so limiting calling that way I meanwhile it's more it's more it has to has to carry some sort of inspiration and mm-hmm. the inspiration i think comes the constant kinship and 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 the share value that and the share value that come from you know the 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 aspect the feature that the specific kin has and i think that it was it was very simple for us to just we came out i remember we came out with the name and everybody liked it and we were good with that and i think it's some very fantasy very you know very very Tolkienian, right. to say. Completely matched what I thought, I, what I think of when I think of uh, the Two Towers and Return of the King, and all of a sudden the fires are lit and somebody shouts out, Gondor calls for aid. Clearly, yes. the kin, the human kin of the, the, the marches, the riders of Rohan, are very different culturally than the people who reside in Gondor, but they're kin. And when Gondor calls for aid, the riders of Rohan marshaled everything. I mean, everything. And they got there. You know, and and I think that's what it really calls to mind. Those are the kinds of elements that are missing in other fantasy game concepts for certain, and other games in general. And it perfectly speaks to something we talk about all the time which is mechanics over storytelling i mean nick you said it it's just a mechanic whether you call it race or ken but the language we choose and the story we tell has greater ramifications than that so by choosing the word ken you've linked it right back to the fellowship concept where everybody in the story is working together towards a common goal you've created that sense of unity by the language you use and the story you tell. So, I mean, it, it, it's an important distinction 
when you're looking yes. at mechanics versus yes. story, how you choose to phrase it, how you choose to present it. And I love it. I think Ken is perfect. Well, playing games are mostly made up of words. So you know, how, how, how you speak, how, how the, the word you choose are very important even right. during the session. So yeah. Definitively, it is a feather in the cap for open-ended games. We happy to appreciate and, and we're very happy that, you know, came across. We, we've talked a lot about the Session Zero character creation concept and, the, and, you know, that early part before you're actually sitting at the table. But just to make sure before we run out of time here that we've had a chance to move into the actual gameplay what does mechanically storytelling wise your average session of against the dark master look like and i know that's a really broad question but i kind of mean like do you generally run it more on the role-playing side with less physical encounters does it tend to run do you tend to run into a lot of combat i read the, some serious rules on chase scenes and how to how to catch up with people. I get the impression that in Against the Dark Master, <laughs> the odds are often stacked against the good guys, kind of like you'd see in that epic movie where they're struggling to find a way to survive and win. So what, what's it look like once you're playing? Well, I think that it's very important, as I mentioned before, to make each session worth the time of the player at the table. And Therefore, I think that it's important. Of course, each each person, each group, is going to have its own identity in, in in how each session is going to look like. But generally, I think that if you can fit some exploration role play game and some combat in one session, generally it, it brings a lot of meat to the table and it's very enjoyable. And it's something that can you know last two three hours some exploration, one or two combats. And generally speaking, also we try to kind of have the game, of course, again, it depends on how everybody runs on session, but generally we try to have the character level up maybe one every one or two sessions, in the beginning at least. So even the experience points, it's very different for general, like maybe, I don't know if your audience is mostly used to D&D, and experience points, our experience points is slightly different. We don't have like you kill, you kill a, a goblin, you get like a set amount of experience points, then you add them, and, and then you call your accountant and you have your tax returns done, and etc. No, we have uh, more like every session at the end of the session, we go through a checklist. And if you did certain things, you get a, a experience, a experience, one experience point. And when you reach 10 experience points in the first level, you pass a level, you know, a lot. And, in the next session, you come with a character of, uh, in, you know, on group level, uh, next to the like seven. And uh, that leads more to a collaborative game, leads more to, you know, makes the difference in the way you participate to the table. So all these aspects, you know, try to, try to bring also, more. I think the, our experience might, might be a little different because uh, particularly in these last times when we're playing against the Dark Master, I mean, me, Nick, and Tom, the, the open-ended games theme, we are usually, you know, playtesting something. So we often, you know, cast role-playing parts to move move fast through, you know, through something we, we need to test and maybe uh, try to play the same same thing a couple of times from different views so it's 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 not your normal way i think the the when we when we play in our normal games uh, we uh, as nick said we, we want to make the time up no so we we try to <clears throat> avoid unnecessary combat. It's combat really worthwhile. Also because in Dark Master, as, as we said before, combat is quite deadly. So uh, in every combat, uh, there's um, the potential for one of the char one or more of the characters to die. So if you <laughs> enter combat, you do so because you're really out of options. If you can avoid the combat, it's, it's, always, it's always, you know, 
and, yeah, when, I was, yeah, when I was reading the combat rules, it looked like it didn't matter how high a level you got, you always had a chance to die. If you if you think about it, like in the Lord of the Ring, the Lord of the Rings, most of the times the heroes are just fleeing. They're fleeing from the Nazgul school at the beginning. They're fleeing from the orcs in Moria. They're fleeing from and when they actually stand and fight, it's because either run out of option or they are fighting for something that's really worth it, like yeah. to, to defend something they, they care about. Also, because I, I think we, we mentioned it in the rules, but um, I think this is one of the elements that uh, you know, characterize uh, the epic fantasy subgenre. Like while in, you know, certain sorcery was, you know, the, the barbarian with, your, with steel sword that, you know, kills the bad guy and rips the, the treasure lives no it doesn't he doesn't live happily ever after it's just spent all in in boots probably but epic fantasy you can you can just go and kill the dark master you you can just just go to sauron and kill him because it's basically a demigod you kill him he just came back stronger so and that's why we, we don't give you know stats for the dark master in in the book you cannot kill him you can you, you have to find a way to you know to exile him or to banish him from from the from war nick i loved as you were telling us about what it what a an average session well there is no average session we covered that of, of <laughs> what y'all felt a, a session of against the dark master would be like in that sense of peril brought in by the combat system you mentioned experience and that gave me a wonderful idea to come back to the detailed aspect and where you all have brought detail and where you have cut detail, because that's important. And especially the way that, you know, we were talking about it earlier in terms of crunch, some of the things in the game you all have beautifully simplified, like beautifully. And I love it. And I just wanted to bring that in just to show that, just to uh, illustrate that it wasn't, not everything is going to be more complex than the games you all have been playing out there. But uh, some of it because it needs that detail but others are so much easier like in the achievement in, in the experience system i love that the experience is based off of achievements instead of monsters so and you get to pick your achievements for your character that you're after for advancement or you can pick them together as a party for the entire party and the way just to give you just to give an example the way these are listed is if you choose in a, as an achievement to travel to or explore a location you've never seen before. If that happens in the session, you earn one to three experience points. So you're, you're choosing the, the milestones yourself. And that's so much, so much simpler and so much less crunchy than having to add individual XP for individual <laughs> monsters. That's why a lot of DMs use the milestone system. But this brings the player into it too, gives them some choice in how, that their, milest how their milestones are set up. And I love what you did with your monetary system too. I love it. So why don't you <laughs> yes. tell me about it? Tell, tell yeah, us about the, so the, the economy. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, so basically, just to explain it quickly, in against the dark master, you you don't coin, you don't count, you know, your your coins. You don't you don't have you know a thousand twenty three copper coin and then seven hundred thirty five uh, silver coin and so on. You just have a, a wealth level that goes from zero to five. On zero, you're broke, and on five, you're like mm, a king, king basically. Rich. Yeah, 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 king rich. And <laughs> if you, if something, everything as a as a fair that goes from from zero to five, like like your, and and if something is below your wealth level, you can afford it. And if something is on par with your wealth level, you can buy it, but then it basically tax your wealth level it's going to go down by by one and so your uh, your it tax your resources basically and that's basically just that and also max introduced i mean i don't know if it's max so tom was the mind behind yeah. the wealth level and but also you know the, 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 there's a rarity of items so of course yeah. So that also brings it's because you know it's it's funny that a sword costs twenty three golden coin everywhere. <laughs> it's like yeah. you know, it's like the you know, you know that it also plays a plays a role into. <laughs> you can't really set a price because there's no universal you know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like even even and even our word, like if you go, yeah, it's going to change from community to community. Yeah, it's going to change from region from to region. Walmart to Walmart. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. 
it wasn't really the point of the game, right? Yeah, exactly. We, we, it's not we something wanna, you want to be want to stop and and well, and wait, wait. I, I found an extra golden coin. I can purchase yeah. this now. <laughs> well, and and it, yeah. it speaks right back to the the purpose of the game: fight the dark master. Yeah. It's not about amassing wealth. You're not trying to get as many coins written down on your sheet as you possibly can. I, I might actually lift that for my homebrew game. You're not wrong. Walmart to Walmart, there can be a difference in price. Absolutely makes it so much easier. I am confident that, that the three of us are not the only storytellers who are frustrated But when, when we have this epic story. And they're like, no, but we need to go to town so we can sell four of these things. All our loot. We don't yeah. want to use the magic <laughs> item that they just got because uh, they can sell it for more money and buy some other or they're or they're walking around with an empty wagon at the beginning of every adventure accepting the slow pace and loading yeah. every usable arm <laughs> armor and item that they can find oh. off of every bad guy into the wagon yeah. i remember the first Dungeons and dragon edition had you know the red box had the the the, the, the scale that makes like that this disc that comes out the coins because each coin is one experience point yeah so you carry that with you in every dungeon, and yeah. it was very interesting. <laughs> we yes, talked about all different kinds of elements about uh, this project. What was your favorite part of creating Against the Dark Master, or your favorite element? And then the second half of that question is, what was the hardest element for you to complete or put together to get to a point where you were happy with? I'm going to say, I'm going to answer both question for me is going to be getting to know Max. It was a great thing. It was an awful thing. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. The jokes apart. The best part was to get to know Max and Tom, getting to know deeper and, and expand the friendship. I mean, that sounds very romantic <laughs> i guess but uh, it's our favorite it's, parts too it's the favorite yep. part you know that you every day you exchange messages on, on the group chat and uh, get into the meeting together and and go through the frustration of of the distribution and production and all of us were new to it like none of us had ever produced a book before learning new tools like you know the, the, the tools to do the layout I, I had to learn and you know, go through all the frustration of learning that and fixing that and the fear that whatever you did wasn't good enough. So that, that, but at the same time, you have also the support of your team and, and, and the fact that we're in there together and we're on the same boat and we're supporting each other. And, you know, it's, it's always a big laugh at the end. That was probably my favorite part. The least favorite part, it's, I don't know if there's any least favorite part. Probably, I would just say the hardest, not the least favorite. I mean, the hardest part probably is time. Uh, it's time because this is, as I said before, it's a side gig. It's uh, we all have families and kids, and you need to take. You know, you have a job, you have jobs, full time jobs, and you need to take some time off your. You know, the time that you would spend with your family to. To work on these. Uh, Sometimes I, I, I sneak from work, so I hope my boss is not listening to this recording. But that's the hardest one. I think we can completely relate to that one too. Yeah, I'm sure you can completely relate to it as well because it is a big effort. To give all the time to something that has no retribution so far. It's probably the hardest part, but easiest part: compensate way more. The, the favorite part: compensate way more. So we have. We've talked a lot about Against the Dark Master today, and I'm so excited to go ahead and be dropping dice with you, Nick, in, in a couple of hours, not even a couple of hours. In like half an hour. Here. Yeah. yeah uh, I'm really looking us. forward to getting my teeth into the system here. Being called open-ended games, I wanted to I wanted to ask you guys, so what's next? What is, what's Ooh. next in the pipeline here, right? Like, uh, what are you guys working on, and, and uh, when, when can we see it? <laughs> we, have, uh, we have a lot of meat. <laughs> yeah, okay. when when we're you're going to see it, it's it's kind of vague, you know. It's pro probably uh, next year because well, there we're, is, we're still there's working. A, there is a disclaimer. We <laughs> we all living as a, as a, I don't think United States, but Europe too as well, and a big shortage of paper. Yeah, and uh, there is big problem in in, in supply delivery. So that is, yeah. you know, as a factor in everything we do, right. because, you know. Yeah, yeah. We just spoke with our um, printer because we are, we are preparing a second print run of the book. And they gave us pretty 
grim outline for uh, for the future. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's really a, a big cue because of this uh, paper shortage. So yeah, paper shortage is hitting everybody's very bad. Even Watsi yeah, is having del- production delays at this point. Um, yeah. And while they have not specifically said what's creating that, our mm-hmm. guess is that it is uh, connected. Yeah. yeah. Well, so no promises, obviously, on on release dates because yes. that's a moving yeah, target. You know, yes. but, but okay, we're working. We are we are very definitely working on the second run. And, you know, the, the, the supplies are available. Awesome. Okay. And um, we have a few adventures coming up. Like like the ones we we just put out, like Silence right. of Stonefall or um, Legacy of Blob. There will be more of those, yeah. and then we are preparing a you know bigger supplement, introduce new options, both for the game master and biggest supplement so far. <laughs> I'm trying to do some marketing man. See, that's yeah. marketing so, exactly. Yeah, it's easy to be the leader in a pack of one, but hey. Take the win. Yeah. He's still the biggest star in it. And then I epic music and trailer voice. Yeah, exactly. To you from the creators of Against the Dark Master, the biggest (laughs) supplement ever. That one's for you guys. You don't have to. Stay tuned for more. That sounds awesome. I got the Tom to to do it because I can only draw, you know, stick figures and. Wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't look very epic with those stick figures. Might be perfect for what we just did, actually. So that might be right. Uh, that's right. Awesome. <laughs> I love that you guys have more content coming out. And I mean, we haven't played the game yet. The AP session we're logging into, we're going to be dropping dice on in half an hour. We already said, but uh, we've loved working with you all so far too. So hey, just an on-air offer in case it ever has the opportunity to work out. If you're looking for an additional play test with maybe, you know, a little bit of an actual play sound file for the teaser during a Kickstarter, we'd be happy to work with you on any of your new projects Absolutely. too. Yeah. yeah that that would be awesome. Yeah. Max, Nick, thank you so very much for carving out some time on your, on your Saturday here to go ahead and talk to us. Where can people find Against the Dark Master right now? Like, is this something that uh, they can find online, or should they be hitting up their friendly local game store to get it stocked on the shelves? So we have some few stocks left in Europe, just a few, and uh, just a few left in Canada. Okay. We auto stock in 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 US and rest of the world. PDF is still available. On our website or DriveThruRPG. Right. Uh, we'll also drive through RPG because then, you know, it's easier to get updated versions and, and you're on a, in, a, in a comfortable... We have a Discord channel that a very thorough person is running and that name is Max. He's running <laughs> the Discord channel. He generally uh, tries to answer all the questions and he also has a baby to take care of and he has a full time <laughs> He tries to not yeah. to get the verge of... Uh, <laughs> crisis <laughs> and just drop everything and run away but uh <laughs> he's doing a great job and <clears throat> we are you know always trying to prove our product and we have a twitter at at voice dark master as well right max i don't remember but yeah it's, he's it's, the it's, one that is running <laughs> he's the one that is running it <laughs> but i can tell you yeah. he does respond because we've we've exchanged tweets a few times so yeah yeah and also yeah. facebook as well so if you look yeah. against dark master or voice dark master you yeah. you would find us easily yeah. on those platforms we also have an instagram that max it's taking care of I'm saying that because if there's something wrong with it, you can just blame him. Just no. blame Max, right? Yeah. Blame Max. Like got that. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll make sure and link all that stuff uh, in the show notes. Uh, for this one episode thing here I want to say. One yeah, hero we have to thank again, which is the guy who brought us to this show. And well, thank you very much, Kevin, because thank you. Uh, yeah. uh, this is thanks to you. So props to you for choosing us as your favorite game. And never drops us as your favorite. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you very much, Kevin, for planning the suggestion. I hope that hope that this answered your question from so many months ago when we uh, when we probed out there. Uh, and we are working on a special gift for Kevin. We're yes, not going to drop the details yeah, on what that yeah. is yet, just in case, because uh, we're not sure again on uh, the, its release date when things will yeah, be exactly. possible to make it happen. So, just <laughs> yeah. just for Kevin, so you know, there is a special gift coming for uniting us all. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun so much these guys yeah Yeah, absolutely all right 
Thank you, Max, everyone. Nick, thank you uh, so very much. Really looking forward to the actual play. And this was such a great interview. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having us. All right. Okay. All right, listeners. Thank you very much. We got to get ready for the actual play, and we will talk to you all again next week. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our SideQuest series where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop-oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.